Hello, listeners. Kathy Lawless, Life Story Curator, bringing you the podcast series, How Did I Get Here? A series of interviews designed for people just starting out in their careers, people in transition or possibly feeling stuck, and giving them access to the stories of people who have been there, done that, so that they might be inspired with some new ideas, or maybe just comforted knowing they are not alone, that everybody starts somewhere, and everybody goes through times of transition and times when they feel stuck. Today, I'm excited to be interviewing Jamie Dandar-McKinney. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you, Kathy. And Jamie is the president of Jamie Empowers, which we'll get to learn more about that shortly. But uh, listeners, as you know, I always like to start with the icebreaker questions because we want to get to know you on a more personal level and then get into the professional stuff. So Jamie, tell us where you grew up, what part of the country, how many siblings, where you are in the birth order, and how you think that shaped you as an adult. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I grew up in, in tropical Toledo, Ohio. As <laughs> <laughs> the good old Midwest, uh, I am the oldest of three daughters. Ah, what's the age difference? Uh, 18 months and then three months after that. So four and a half years uh, total span. So yes, my parents had three teenage daughters for also a period of about five years if you if you do the math. So Wow, that's 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 very close. That's kind of like me and my sisters. There's three of us in exactly three years because my mom had my sisters on the same day, three years apart. Um, and oh, interesting. I'm, so isn't that crazy? Yeah, but think, yeah, you think about three kids, three years, three kids, four years. That's a lot. A lot of diapers in the beginning, and then a lot of those teenage issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a few. <laughs> okay, so you're oldest, and uh, would you say you're the stereotypical kind of oldest personality? You know, yes. If you if you read any of the studies on birth order, uh, the you know the first time I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, they bugged our house. Like this is written, <laughs> this is written about us. So yes, we are very uh, stereotypically those three. Although as we've gotten older. Uh, we kind of, it, it's mellowed out a little bit. It's not as blatant as oldest, middle, youngest. We each have, you know, similar qualities now, but certainly when we were growing up, uh, all the stereotypes were true in our, in our household. <laughs> I totally agree with that. I see that too. As we're older, it doesn't seem to play out as much, but certainly in those, uh, especially when you probably were babysitting and, you know, the oldest one in charge because you mm -hmm. were in charge and yeah, that's uh how I felt with my older sister too. She was in charge. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what kind of activities did you do for fun? Were it music, sports, dance? Uh, dance was that was a big one. Uh, we played outside a lot. Uh, you know, anything having to do with obstacle courses and bike ramps and kick the can. And our, you know, our neighborhood was full of boys, and so we were always outside. You know, until we got called in you know, Dandar girls, <laughs> time to come home, uh, outside as, as much and as often as we could be, you know, year round even. Wow, super active, and then probably one of the few girls then in the neighborhood, it sounds like, so. Yes, uh, we, next door to us, there were three boys, and they were all about the same age as us. Uh, our moms had been best friends in high school, and so that was fun, because we got to grow up with each other, kind of like having siblings, but under different, different roofs, and uh, similar stories with the rest of the neighborhood. It was a, it was a lot of boys, a couple other girls, but majority were boys. Okay, cool. So, uh, are you an introvert or an extrovert? <laughs> so I laugh because 
you know, having been home now for a year, right? I mean, the pandemic has been in effect for a year. I said to my husband the other day that I think I've turned introvert and he laughed quite uproariously and said, no, no, you have not. <laughs> so definitely an extrovert. Um, you know, starting your, your own business uh, during a pandemic is a, is a pretty isolating journey in a lot of ways. I mean, I spent a lot of time in my office and I'm, I'm thankful for that time. I got a lot done, uh, but I still really do crave the human interaction and being able to see full body language and reaction and just feel that energy that you can get a little sense of it in a virtual environment, but not, not the same as in person. So yeah. Yeah. Extrovert. <laughs> okay. So We'll make a check mark there. And then um, on the fun meter, scale of one to five, uh, one being couch potato and five being life of the party, where do you put yourself? Ooh, good question. Uh, I would say a three and a half. Uh, I definitely like to observe and listen before I speak, you know, kind of ga gauge my audience no matter where or, or who it is. Uh, and then, you know, happy to carry a conversation, ask questions, and participate. Ah, so it sounds like it depends on the situation. You kind of assess things and then decide on uh, how you're going to show up and, and what needs to be brought to, to the party <laughs> or to the couch. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so on the risk meter, same scale, one to five, one being low and five being high. Where do you put yourself in terms of taking a risk? Uh, I'd say a little bit above that three and a half mark, more closer to, to four. Uh, you know, if there's, if there's danger present, that's not so much my thing. But if it's speaking in terms of professional, you know, growing a business, you have to take risks. Um, and, you know, I like the term fail forward or fail fast uh, and navigating those risks because it, you know, unless you step out of your comfort zone and you take a risk, things are just going to plot along in the same way. And it's hard to achieve growth like that. So I'm, I'm good with stepping out of my comfort zone. It, uh, you know, confidence is the under, underarching, overarching message that I, I teach and preach. And so I have to walk my own walk. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, and you already talked about that you started a business during a pandemic. So <laughs> that, that would be There's an indicator that. of your risk there too. So all right. Well, I love asking those questions about, you know, how you grew up, birth order and all that. And then also this fun and risk meter, because then we see how that plays out when we hear your story. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what it means to be the president of Jamie Empowers, and then we'll get into the, how did I get here? How did I get here? All right. Excellent. So the Jamie Empowers mission is to empower professional women to ditch doubts, speak up, and achieve the careers they deserve and desire. So any given day is full of still, still virtual workshops, although we've got some in-person talks booked for later this year, so that's exciting. Uh, with groups ranging in size, you know, anywhere between 20 and, and 2,000, uh, you know, in a virtual environment, you can go pretty big pretty fast. Uh, and then also one-on-one -on -one leadership coaching to help women repair the broken rung of the corporate ladder and help move up within their companies and achieve the, the promotions and the new titles that they want uh, and break through some of the invisible barriers that have historically held women back. 
Wow. Well, I, uh, I think you need to adjust your risk score there because I think your whole business is about risk and helping women kind of adjust their risk. So it <laughs> seems like there's uh, a little bit more on the scale there than uh, maybe what you let on. But anyway, we'll find out more about that as we go through. So, so great. Well, work. That, you, you bring up a good point, though, because what is one person's normal mm-hmm. is to be, you know, different on somebody else's risk scale. And, you know, maybe part of that is how do we, how do we bridge that gap? If somebody does want to step more out of their comfort zone or take on that risk, it's a very doable process. It just, there is some strategy to it. So yeah. 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 That's a good point. And, and when you think about the introvert extrovert too, right. In terms of sometimes how people think out loud, are more extroverted and introverts are more processing and then you know needs to you need time so yeah you do that does affect risk as well as the voice in the room and how do you bring up things when you're not you don't have it baked out yet and you're not really comfortable so okay well cool well i'm uh, curious to learn more about that as we get through your story so tell us though let's go back to say junior high high school is this what you always wanted to be when you grew up no, I, I, I originally <laughs> liked, we played a lot of a game show host type of scenarios when I was younger. And I think that would have been, I still think that would be super fun to be a game show host. And, you know, some of my workshops do have elements of, of gaming and, and definitely audience interactions. So I get to fulfill that, that bucket a little bit. Uh, I knew I wanted to go into business uh, the way my mom's side of the family came over to America was uh, with a wine and cheese and meat specialty store. And as a kid, I mean, like eight years old, uh, we'd play in the store, but I would write my own inventory reports, which just saying out loud sounds incredibly boring. <laughs> but that was, that was fun for me as a kid. And I, I always knew, you know, business MBA, exactly what I wasn't sure, but, you know, went a lot along that path. And I'm very blessed to have had a lot of different experience in business. I mean, everything from Fortune 100 down to startup and variety of jobs and roles in between, you know, all the way up to chief strategy officer. So as all of these experiences were building, uh, I eventually just started listening more uh, because I was getting requests to come speak to women's groups. And throughout my career, I had spoken publicly, mostly like trainings or, you know, something on behalf of the company. And then over time, I was being asked to come and just tell my story, you know, nothing having to do with the company. What do you, how did you get through your heavily male dominated industry career, Jamie? What were some of the lessons that you learned? What can, what can we do too? And after giving those talks each time, a handful of women would come up to me and say, hey, this was great. I want to learn more. How do I buy your book? And my book, Kathy, was not on my radar at all. That was not a, a bucket list item for me. But after so many people had asked, I thought, huh, maybe, you know, maybe I should listen to this. And so that was what spawned the book. And then uh, I, I was dabbling. I was just writing a little bit here and there. And then I was actually in Midland, Texas for, for work. I was working in the oil and gas industry at the time. And a publisher called me and I answered my phone. I remember I was riding shotgun in the pickup truck and one of my sales guys was driving. And I thought she introduced herself and I thought somebody was, was playing a trick on me. Like, like, sure, you're a publisher and sure you had heard about the concept for my book. And want to make this happen. But as it turned out, uh, she was not joking. 
And fast forward and, you know, the book Speak Up Sister, the Professional Woman's Guide to Confidence and Success is published. And the material that's in that book was also a big prompt for the material that I now present in workshops and that I teach in the Professional Development Coaching Program. Wow. Well, that's a great overview. Thank you for giving us that uh, that synopsis of it. And wow. So you're driving pro- probably in the middle of nowhere, I'm guessing in Texas, when you get yes. the ball out of the yeah. blue, big surprise, but yeah, you got to get all that tingly feeling of, Oh, well now maybe this is real and maybe this is cool. And what would it look like? I can't even imagine that would be super fun. Yeah, it was fun. And, and I think no, no coincidence that I had service <laughs> at the time when she called, uh, because often, you know, like you don't, you know, there's yeah. no, there's no phone service. So yeah. Yeah. Serendipity there for sure. (laughs) Well, give us, give us some um, insight into some of those business roles that you were in. And I mean, did you have your voice initially? I mean, like, so you, you know, you get your, it sounds like you got your bachelor's and your master's. Then did you start in, in sales right away or kind of what was some of those first jobs? So, so straight out of college, uh, I started working in the automotive industry. So I had business undergrad degree and automotive wasn't necessarily something that I was shooting for, uh, but I was interested in a sales role. And this particular company said, hey, we've got company car, phone, computer, all this really cool stuff, you know, especially coming out of college. We have ongoing training for you, which was highly appealing to me. Like now I'm going to get paid to continue to go to professional school, essentially. Uh, And we're going to train you to be in a sales territory. All of that sounded wildly appealing to me. Uh, The industry was was interesting and it was fascinating. Uh, The part, though, that was particularly integral to what I do now is that I was the third female to join a team of 400. And... I was the youngest by on average 20 years, first job out of college, so no real business experience, and I hadn't grown up in the industry. So I stuck out, stuck out like a sore thumb, and these guys were not used to having women in the industry, especially not one you know, who was as young as I was and who had a college degree. Um, many, of their, many of them did not, and so when they realized that I was being groomed to move up and could someday maybe sooner than later, be their boss. You can imagine some of the resistance and and shenanigans uh, that occurred for me in that environment. Wow, what a difficult place to be. I mean, you're highly recruited. And again, now you're all excited at that blind enthusiasm, right? Coming into your first job, but then you get in Mm -hmm. there and the resistance that you face uh, because you don't look and act and talk and know stuff like everybody else does. And uh, wow, yeah. Correct, but it also, you know, I was, I was naive. I mean, I just thought, well, okay, this is how the business world is and I'm here to have an impact and, and make a difference and get promotions. And so that's when I, I figured out, it was a few years into it because like there were things that were working and I, I would reflect on that sometimes, like, how is this working? <laughs> because I'm still one of very few females. I'm still the youngest one. I'd sit, you know, I'd gained a little bit of industry experience, of course, but, you know, some of them had been in the industry longer than I had been alive, and I was never going to be able to compete with that. But the presence that I had in meetings and the confidence that I carried myself with, even when I didn't know as much as they did, 
that continued to help me establish my credibility and, and get my work done and get my job done. And that was a huge piece of it. So much so that I started studying it and researching it because I thought, all right, well, if this is working. I want to make sure to keep this up uh, and, and learn more about it to ensure that I kept it as my, my secret sauce, right? And that I could continue to leverage it. And, and it was very helpful. And now that's, that's what I teach. Yeah. Well, I, I get, I'm really impressed with and curious about this, how you tackled the, I shouldn't say tackled, you really dove into what was working. I mean, that's, I mean, they all, you know, a big part of, you know, leadership is about being self-aware and understanding your strengths and kind of your blind spots, et cetera, et cetera. But mm -hmm. I remember when I was coming up through the corporate world, so much of our focus was on, oh, well, what's your weakness? You need to focus on these weaknesses. And we didn't focus on the strengths. It wasn't until later that, you know, Strengths Finder came out and there was this whole shift on, no, mm -hmm. focus on your strengths and, you know, you know, figure out, we know what your weaknesses are, but you don't have to stay in that space. But you kind of figured that out on your own. I mean, that's, that's really impressive. I mean, I sort of had to, <laughs> I think, like, and it's, you know, curiosity is, is a characteristic that I've had my whole life. Uh, I, I often hear the question or, or the statement, gosh, Jamie, nobody's ever asked me that. And I, I love when I hear that, that's kind of like a little, you know, I do a little victory dance because now they're learning something or, you know, seeing something in a different way. And I remember sitting in a meeting and, you know, myself and, and eight gentlemen. And again, I was like, all right, I am thinking differently than they are. Like, there's got to be a reason here. There's got to be something behind this. It can't just be because they're men and I'm a woman or whatever. And uh, that's when I started, like I said, researching some of it and looking into the neuroscience and the, like the differences in how we think. And, you know, I didn't think I had much opportunity to change their way of thinking that the difference was something that I wanted to learn how to navigate with our differences rather than against them. You know, how, what can I learn from this? Uh, you know, I heard a, a story recently and I just, I, this is all about mindset and how you're framing it that, uh, a, a woman who's a friend of mine, she was in a, it was like a personality assessment course. This is when we could meet in person. And there were four variables on which everybody was being measured. And so when they announced where everybody measured, you went to a certain place in the room to show what quality or characteristic would fit with you. And she and another gentleman wound up in different places of the room each of the four times. And he came and talked to her afterwards. And you, you might think that he'd be like, gosh, we're so different. How are we ever going to work together? But instead he said to her, gosh, we were different on every single one of those variables. I bet we can learn a lot from each other. Wow. Yeah. So powerful, right? Because, and, and that is the mentality with the, with the curiosity side of things that when someone isn't like you and they're not thinking the way you do, that's a huge opportunity to perhaps expose one of your own blind spots and to learn from each other. Because back to what you were saying, Kathy, about the strengths and the weaknesses, all of us have both of those things. <laughs> and we can't be all things and be the strongest in everything, but somebody else is. So when we can communicate and bridge that gap, I mean, this is going to sound really cliche, but we really are stronger together. But it's, it's that communication piece that needs to happen in order to establish, hey, we're on the same team we are going to work together. Yeah. I, I love that. You know, I, 
I, I wish I'd have had that when I was younger. I wish I'd have known you and then I could have, you know, kind of <laughs> broke through things. Cause I remember I kind of had that mindset of um, how, do, how do I just be a better leader? How do I be a better manager? How do I be a better employee? And so I was always in this mindset of not good enough. Um, so that was that I remember that, you know, holding me back at times. Other times I was, you know, kind of that blind enthusiasm just going through, but then on occasion I would bounce into this not good enough thing, which really, uh, you know, could hit me hard at times and, and knock me back. Um, but, and then once I started doing more personality tests though, that's what I really appreciated that, you know, they, all those tests, the, the big value out of that is just that we all think differently. And let's mm -hmm. appreciate how we all think and what we bring to the table, not get frustrated that we don't think the same or at the same pace or in the same way and that you don't get me, that kind of a thing. So that was really powerful. Um, so I, I get what you're saying there. So, Jamie, at this point, so we've been talking about, you know, personality tests and communication and some of this stuff tends to go more toward the kind of the psychology, human behavior side. And yet mm -hmm. you had such a strong background in business. Did you have your master's at this point or were you getting your master's while you were working or give us a sense so, of what's going on education wise? About seven years into my automotive career, I was with the same company and that's when I went back to school and got my MBA uh, with the entrepreneurial focus. And then uh, as far as the, you know, the human psychology side of things, I mean, I have a whole bookshelf <laughs> full of official research and uh, studying and, you know, especially with writing the book, as well, you know, leaning on specific case studies. And, you know, it's interesting, Kathy, because for every study I found that proved one thing, you can find a study <laughs> that proves the exact opposite. And per your earlier point, I think the biggest thing to keep in mind with whether it's a personality style or communication style, all of this is creating awareness that there's options and that there's different paths and that none of us are, are stuck to this one path, you know, as individuals or as a team. Uh, you know, I love the phrase, <clears throat> water has a way. Water has a way. And if you think about water, you know, like trickling down the, the side of a mountain or even down the street, you know, every time it hits a, a pebble or a crack or something, it just, it keeps flowing. And we as individuals can do that same thing when we have that same mindset. You know, that's one way certainly to get to get unstuck. And I talk a lot about confidence. And another piece is just knowing none of us can predict the future. So the more we wait to to collect every single piece of information we need to make a step forward, the harder that step forward is going to be. Whereas if we just say, okay, I've got enough, I'm going to rely on what my head and my heart are telling me and we take that first step that is an integral part of building confidence because most people think confidence is built at the finish line of something and it, it, it's reinforced at that time sure but that very first step you take is a foundational building block and that's going to help you take your next one and your next one so whatever support you need to help you take that first step is so important because just like water you have a way too and the second you can start that flow and create that momentum, you're gonna have the wind at your back and it's going to help you continue to move forward. I love your analogy about the water. You know, when it, when it faces resistance, it just kind of turns, right? Or it figures out the path of least resistance mm -hmm. on how it can move forward. Yeah. You also mentioned this, you know, um, you can, no one can predict the future. And uh, one of my other interviews talked about um, 
her boss said to her one time, uh, you, uh, I think you think I have a secret playbook that I haven't shared with you and that I have all the answers. Um, she said, I trust that you've done your research. I trust that you've, um, you know, you've thought about this, you've talked to the right people. And so therefore I trust you go do. And that was really pivotal for her. Cause she was like, she didn't realize that's what she was doing that she thought there was a secret playbook, but having it articulated really kind of, um, you know, it just brought that to light for her. And when she shared that with me, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, you know, that was an aha for me too. Um, that I just thought my leaders had more information. They knew more, they should be, you know, they, they could make those decisions. Uh, but many times it was just, they were more confident and they were more willing yeah. to take the risk. And they'd been there enough times that uh, they knew that, you know, some of it was not risk-taking and some of it was. So uh, but well, yeah, and, and the reason that they had been there a number of times before is because they had taken that step. Yeah. Right? yeah. They had a lot of opportunities too to be at a, a point of indecision, right? And say, well, I'm either going to stay here <laughs> or I'm going to go left, I'm going to go right, I'm going to go straight, I'm going to do something. But that staying there doesn't build the confidence. It doesn't give you that track record. It doesn't allow you to navigate future risks because you now have more information and, and more of a, a track record. So Taking that step is so important. Uh, Annie Duke is a professional poker player, a, a woman in a, a male-dominated industry, and she wrote a book called Thinking in Bets, and there was something in there she said that I thought was just so poignant, and she said, you know, every decision that we make has an element of risk, you know, like when, when you're playing poker or when it's, when it's real life, like none of us know what's behind those cards, uh, but until we order it up, we don't find out. And when we find out, we learn something either way. We continue to move forward. And, you know, life is a lot like that. We don't know what's going to happen next, but, you know, as intelligent human beings and, you know, in your place of business, you got hired because you beat out other candidates. You know, you had qualities and hard skills that they recognized for being valuable to the company. So, so just like that, that gentleman said about his, he doesn't have a secret playbook, like just, they trust you. So knowing that, use that to say, okay, I'm going to, to move forward and make the decision and fail forward if you have to, but, you know, gauge, gauge your results so you can adjust and revise if necessary, but take, take the step. Yeah. Well, and I, one of my life lessons would be being in decision and being not in action is probably the most uncomfortable place to be. You know, you're oh. just spinning, you're in your head, you don't, you're not moving forward, but as soon as you make a decision, you start moving forward and then, you know, the momentum starts and then you course correct. And next thing you know, you're like, you know, I remember asking someone one time at, um, at a, we were at a happy hour and, it, and what I asked was, have you ever made a bad decision? And um, because I, it, the conversation was around, <laughs> oh, and then, you know, I changed jobs. I did this, I did that. And then now I'm here and um, it really worked out for the best. And I'm like, oh, so therefore, do you feel like you made a bad decision on any? And they were like, no. You know, when you look back a lot of times, there aren't any bad decisions. There was just a lot of learning. And oh, by the way, it got me to this. That got me to this. That got me to today, which is kind of why I'm doing this podcast even is to help people who are just starting out that they think they have to have it figured out. They have to know exactly what they need. And, uh, you know, and parents and friends and all put that pressure on young people, right? Well, what are you going to do? What, what are you going to be? What are you going to study and um how do you know right how do you really know and yeah. uh, so I, I like the phrase rejection is redirection 
Rejection is redirection. And then, you know, fun fact about the word decide itself, it, this is going to sound morbid for a second, but it comes from the root word side, C-I-D-E, which means to kill. And so when you decide, you're killing off other options and moving forward with one with whatever amount of knowledge you have at the time. And I mean, I can say I have made some bad decisions in life in hindsight. However, <laughs> they haven't all been good. Um, However, I can look back on them and see some of the factors that were at play and, and learn from that so that, you know, a different time, it'll be a better decision. Uh, but it does get you to where, you know, where you are and, and you just, you have to take that step and, you know, kill off the other options and just say, I'm committed. And, you know, it's similar to a goal. Like once you commit or once you have a goal, it's, it's a beacon and it's almost like this magnetic force that draws you to it, but you have to name it. Uh, in order for it to create that pull. But when you name it, that's, that's powerful. You know, naming it is claiming it, it's owning it. And that's another way to help move forward. It's just, okay, I'm gonna decide, I'm gonna commit and we're gonna see what happens and course correct, as you said, or navigate in a different way. Um, I also like to think of it like tacking, you know, in a sailboat, it's, it's much different than driving a car. Like, you know, you can drive a car from A to B straight line, right? And a sailboat, you know your you know where you start and you know your destination but it's not a straight line you're you're tacking based on how the wind is blowing because there's a small handful of things that we can control there's a bigger <laughs> handful of things that we can't control but as long as we're navigating with those things we can still hit our destination it just might be a different path than what we thought it would would be originally yeah because the wind the wind could stop the wind could shift the water mm -hmm. could rot. I mean, there's a whole bunch of factors that you have to take into consideration. So this point of time, this decision right here, right now is all you can really control. And then, okay, now two minutes from now, we might have to change that again yeah. because mm -hmm. we need to, uh, to, to deal with the new, uh, new conditions. So new conditions. So, yeah. so you were in automotive then for how long? And then did you shift to another industry before your entrepreneurial stint or? So it was, it was like 10 years to the day uh, that I was, I was with automotive. And one of the things when I was in the automotive industry that stood out for me was I, I would watch these guys give presentations about the automotive industry and they were not super polished with their presentation. You know, like half of their shirt would be untucked. They might be using double negatives. There'd be a, a typo in their PowerPoint but they had this passion for what they were talking about. And that enthusiasm was so contagious and it was so authentic. And while I did have the polished presentation, I did not have an authentic passion for the industry. And I tried for a while, <laughs> but I just never quite got there. And so part of my, the impetus for grad school was okay, I would, I, I want both of these things. I, I want the, the well done PowerPoint along with that enthusiasm because what a powerful combination will that be? And then my authenticity can really shine forth and authenticity plus action is a huge, that's a huge confidence booster as well. And so I started, pay, but I didn't know what that thing was. So I started paying attention to articles that I was just reading for fun or things that I would click on, you know, just when I had time to kind of search around on the internet or, you know, I attended some really random networking events where there was just a variety of people. And I just noticed trends over time 
of the, the people, the conversations, the articles that were attracting me. And it had a lot to do with renewable energy and sustainability and clean tech. And uh, in order to jump industries like that, that's not typically just a, you throw out a resume and boom, here's yeah. your job. Uh, there's a lot of networking that's involved. And I, and I needed to learn a new language. I didn't even know the, the jargon. Uh, so there was a, a clean tech group that I joined that I, it met, I think like the third Wednesday of the month. And, you know, the first time I went, I was <laughs> writing copious notes and acronyms and, and then looking them up outside of the time that I spent there. And I also had a goal of five business cards. Every time I went, I would get five business cards and I would follow up with those people and say, Hey, I, you know, I'm new, I'm learning. Uh, could we meet for coffee, you know, now in a virtual environment, the equivalent would be, can I, can I set up a Zoom call or, you know, can we do a walk and talk where we're, we're both on the phone and we're walking in our respective locations. So, you know, you can still add that element to it. And I learned, and I, I remember how satisfying it was the day, the, 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 that Wednesday night that I was there numerous months in, and I wasn't taking nearly as many notes, not because I wasn't interested, but because I knew the acronyms. And I, I knew what they were talking about. And, you know, just a year before I hadn't. And then that was really helpful as I started interviewing that even though I didn't have the specific industry experience, I could speak intelligently to the industry. And so that's how the gap was bridged there. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that in so much detail about how you did that with the five business cards and joining the groups. Uh, I, I spoke at this um, networking group that was for folks in transition and job search. And one of the questions was, you know, do I need more education? Should I pursue more education? Um, you know, how do I go about that? And you know, my answer is, well, yes, because partly if, if you're in transition, you need to be in, in action doing something, right? And so mm -hmm. if you're learning and growing because you found a new industry and something, I mean, that's part of it, that can really change your mindset and change your energy around your situation. Um, in this case, it's building your confidence. And then when you do say, this is the industry I want to get into, and I have all these transferable skills, I just don't have all the expertise yet, but you can see how much I've already learned just in the short time I've been, you know, uh, learning on my own. Wow. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And then you set a goal for networking too, which was the five business cards and which does sometimes you got to kind of push yourself, right. To be a little bit more out there than maybe how you want to be. Well, and, you know, even as an extrovert, I mean, there were times that I've, you know, it's been a long day at work, right? And there's a variety of things I could be doing at, at five o'clock or at 530. Uh, but building your network takes takes some strategy and takes some effort. And I remember sitting in my car and going, okay, I just, just five business cards. <laughs> and, and one of two things would happen, Kathy, either I would get the five business cards and, you know, like be over myself and be like, okay, and, you know, go on to get five more. Um, or I, you know, if it was just that night where it was like, okay, well, I got my five and now, now I can go. <laughs> um, and it, you know, it, it just, it, you know, it depends on your day. Like, again, those, those factors that you can't really control, but that was the goal that I set for myself. You know, I know somebody else who, uh, it was three for her. Uh, another little game that I played was I would scan the room and say, who is the most intimidating person here? Like, who do I see that just visually is intimidating the heck out of me. And then my goal was, okay, that's who I have to go talk to. <laughs> I have to introduce myself. And sometimes it was wildly successful and other times it was a, a crash and burn. Like they just, you know, completely blew me off or didn't engage in the conversation. But you know what? It's not like 
they went home to their spouse that night and oh my gosh you wouldn't believe this young woman who Jamie tried to introduce herself to me no like it, it was not even a blip on their radar screen right so right. you just keep moving along because the the reward and the opportunity in connecting with someone who your authenticity and their authenticity have that energetic connection there's there's so much opportunity and there's so many cool things that can happen in that and that that the magnitude of that reward is far greater than the magnitude of, of the, the risk or the, the awkwardness that you might feel when somebody doesn't reciprocate that way. Yeah. I'm, I'm going back to your risk meter and that, that 3.54, uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to bump you up. I got to bump you up on that. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's all, it's all mindset though, right? Because I'm, I'm thinking about it, like, what else can I do? You know, how can I bridge that bridge that gap even more. So it just, you know, it's, it's a very individual scale. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So it's funny. One of the things uh, that got me over, you know, some of that net networking awkwardness is I typically look for someone else who's by themselves mm -hmm. uh, or I great myself mm -hmm. in a way where people are like by the food table or by the bar um, or people are coming up and then you can naturally start a conversation and then, you know, next thing you know, now people are coming over to your group and you've had this whole thing going on. So yeah, it can really, you know, set that mentality or mindset. Like you said, if I put myself more as a host, even though I didn't put the event on, but how can I make other people feel more comfortable? Um, then they remember that, they're, you know, they're going to know that uh, they might leave going, oh, I met this one woman and it really, and they don't really even know what I said probably, but that I just, that feeling, you know, kind of like you, people don't remember what you say, but how you make them feel. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I know one of the best icebreaker questions, uh, you know, especially for introverts at an event is just to walk up to somebody and say, I feel so awkward at these events. And, and usually the other person says, me too. And then yeah, you'll, you'll make a fast friendship. Uh, another, another tip on that is, you know, speaking of, of acting like the host is either an in-person or a virtual event. You know, if it's in-person, you can always go to the host and introduce yourself and say, hey, I'm here uh, because I would like to meet somebody who does this, or I'm curious about that. Could you recommend someone or, you know, point somebody out in the crowd to talk to you? And then that bridges that gap because you can say, oh, you know, the, the host Joanna said we should connect. Great, there's, there's your icebreaker, there's your connector. In a virtual environment, what you can do is reach out to the host in advance of the event and say, I'm attending, you know, same thing, same premise. I'm attending for this reason. Do you know of anybody who might be there that I could talk to you about this industry or about advancing my career or, you know, whatever, whatever your goal is. And then when you find that name, you can watch for that person, you know, either in the Zoom room or most of the platforms have a list of participants and you can find that person and message them through whatever the virtual platform is and just say, hey, Christina, Joanna mentioned your name. Um, is somebody I should meet? Could we connect outside of this event? And there's a few extra steps there and it takes a little bit of effort, but it's, and you're really setting yourself apart because very few people are, are doing that. And, you know, in my, in my coaching program, especially, I talk about building your MAC team. MAC is an acronym for mentors, allies, and champions, and they're absolutely critical for career success for both men and women, and especially for women who want to repair that broken rung of the corporate ladder and move up to director and move up to VP. And so, you know, keeping your networking pipeline active 
even in a virtual environment is, is really critical. So you don't have this big gap when we do go back to work or have a hybrid situation or whatever the, the case may be that you're not starting from scratch. You've been planting some seeds and cultivating relationships along the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's that whole, um, you don't need to, you don't need your network till you need your network. And then you feel really awkward yeah. trying to build a network when you don't have a network. And yeah, mm -hmm, it's, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a very sad place to be, but if you're doing it all along and it's just part of who you are. And I found the more you do it, the more comfortable you get. I mean, it's when you don't yeah. put yourself in those situations uh, regularly that they feel so intimidating. But if you're doing it all the time, it's like, wow, I'm walking into a room all the time with people I don't know, um, or I'm Zooming, I guess now. Right. I'll have to re redevelop my muscle when we start doing stuff back in person <laughs> to get used to that walking yeah. into a room thing. So, <laughs> well, and just, just remind, you know, in those circumstances, remind yourself that the best thing that can happen versus the worst thing that can happen, the magnitudes of those two are very different. The best thing is quite quite special. And the worst thing is like, probably not that bad. So it's definitely, <laughs> I, it's probably not. I mean, and this is, I'll be happy to have a pep talk and a conversation with anybody going into this. Um, we ran a series actually not too long ago about, we called it for your network to work, work your network. Uh, and happy to to help anybody in their in their journey because this is a really critical piece and it's it's actually quite fun because you see success fast and that success is going to help propel you forward even more and it's a really rewarding journey and again critical to career success yeah absolutely well gosh i gotta tell you i, I love how you think i love how you break things down and then you can communicate it in a way that makes it feel so less intimidating and scary. So I can see why when you were speaking out on the circuit or were people asking you to speak, um, that they'd be like, I want more of that. Or where's your book? Or, How do I get in touch with you? Because <laughs> if, you. if you're experiencing any of this, sometimes it's just one little thing can unlock you. And like you said, you know, and the next thing you know, your, your career's taking off. Yeah. And, it, and, you know, it's, it's just, it's back to that curiosity piece. And that I, I just, I get really frustrated with contention and an unhealthy competition. I just, I don't see much or cattiness. Like I just, I don't see times that that has worked in anyone's favor. Whereas the collaboration piece uh, is far more productive and, you know, we are stronger together. And when we lift each other up, you know, everybody wins. And it's interesting because that's the a big piece of the, founda the foundation of confidence is that when you're centered in your confidence, you have absolutely no trouble collaborating with somebody. And that's a little gut check that you can do for yourself. Because if you find that you're criticizing more than you're complimenting, that's likely an insecurity somewhere in there. Uh, and I would just invite anybody who, who's feeling that to take a look at that because that's going to make things so much harder for you. Whereas if you can address that insecurity and you know do some work on it and you know I know we're almost at the end of our time here but I'm, I'm opening up a whole big can of worms with this but just said at a minimum if you can reflect a little bit on that that's going to be hugely awakening for you and that could really be a game changer when you address that or you find somebody to talk to where you can say hey this is one of my weaknesses will you help me work on this or will you just help me recognize it or you know how do I show up when this is happening because the personal growth that you're going to experience within that is huge. And that is a direct transfer to your professional growth. 
And, you know, that's the difference between a leader who has the, the, I don't like the term soft skills, I call them strong skills, but the leader who has the strong skills versus the one who doesn't. It's a, it's a, huge difference. In, yeah. And you see it, you see it and you're just like, wow, it's just, uh, it's, it's amazing how they can do that. And yet you still see them as powerful and decisive and all these other things, yet they are being vulnerable or asking for help or collaborating and um, being so authentic. So mm-hmm. yeah, great stuff. Great stuff. Well, Jamie, I'm, you are right. We do need to start wrapping up and, but you really, I, I think this is going to be great insight, especially for people I think that are feeling stuck or maybe in transition. And sometimes in those two scenarios, you're not the most confident that you want to be. Cause sometimes you're a little shook maybe about if it's not happening as fast as you want, or you don't know where you want to go next. Um, I guess it could also be for people starting out. If you don't know where you want to go, you don't have that confidence on what you can bring. So I think you're uh, given some great insight today. So along those lines, looking for more insight here, what do you think has served you best as you look back on your career? And again, it could be a, a personality trait, a discipline, a habit, or strength. Uh, one, one is definitely sur- being intentional uh, about surrounding myself with the right people. But, you know, again, referring back to that Mac team, being intentional about about building mentors, allies, and and champions. Uh, and another one is the, is the gut check that anytime I was in a, a meeting or at a conference or circumstances where I had something to say and I was intimidated to say it, but I could feel it in my stomach, you know, my had the butterflies or my heart was pounding. That was like the, oh, <laughs> like, do I have to, you know, it's like the, the, almost like the angel devil on my shoulders, right? Like, do you, do I have to say this? Yes, you have to say this. What's the risk? What's the reward? You know, this, this battle. Uh, and I'll tell you one of my little tricks is that I, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is a huge shiro, a sheepless hero and, and inspiration to me. And this was, you know, when she was still alive, but she's still able to do this for me. I would picture Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who I'm like an inch taller than, than RBG. So <laughs> even with, with RBG looking up at me and saying, what's it going to be, Jamie? Are you going to speak up or not? And I would go, darn it, RBG. Yes, I will do this. I will do this for you. I will do this for me. And while it was scary and there were times when my voice was shaking and I felt like you could probably see my heart pounding out, like through my shirt, even I was so glad that I did that. So that would be just that, that hopefully words of, of wisdom that when you feel those butterflies and you have that same sense of, oh gosh, I should do this, but I'm scared use that as your catalyst that this is when you must, you must do it because you are going to, like, I've got goosebumps talking about it right now. You're going to be so excited on the other side and that's going to encourage you to do it again the next time. And the reward is well worth the risk. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you. I love that. And I think this is such a great way to wrap up, but you've, you've really covered so much about self-awareness and what are those triggers that either hold you back or propel you forward and how do you find those things to help propel you i love your rbg i love that i I think a lot of people might take that and go oh that's what i need is i do have that too i have a boss in my head sometimes i'm like well what would she do and i'm like oh she would go for it or she would do this or she would you know i'm like okay sometimes you just need that little nudge so yep well jamie got it in us it's just how do you how do you channel it yeah everybody well, thank you so much. And 
Jamie, I, again, I could probably talk to you all afternoon, obviously, uh, but uh, we do have to wrap up. And um, I do like to keep it to a certain time frame so folks can get all the way through them. So listeners, if you enjoyed today's interview, please subscribe below so that you can be alerted as other interviews are published. And if you have any questions for me or for Jamie, please note that on my website, lifestorycurator.com. As you know, this is where I'll post the, the interview for today, but I'll also post her social media, her book cover, et cetera, so that you can uh, see more about her work and find her website and be able to get in touch with her. Because obviously after today, I think you're all gonna want a little bit more Jamie. So <laughs> thank you, Jamie. And on that note, I will say stay safe, stay well, and let's keep sharing those stories. Thank you. Awesome. Have an empowered day.